0: Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Want us to stay ad free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Well of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com/nerdcaveretro, and become a patreon supporter of this very show. Programs and welcome back to another Halloween horror edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins,
1: and my name is Derek Diamond.
0: Ooh, we're here early today.
1: Yes. So, for those who are listening on the download, we're actually recording this Sunday morning. We usually do the show on Wednesday nights, but um, I'm going to be going out of town this week, uh, leaving Wednesday afternoon to. In the weekend in uh, actually an extended weekend in tennessee so figured we'd record the show earlier in the week that way uh, we wouldn't miss an episode fantastic
0: you're gonna be in gatlinburg too so i'm kind of I'm jealous because gatlinburg is awesome especially if you're a pancake fan are you a fan of pancakes
1: oh i love pancakes
0: dude they are lousy with the pancake restaurants in gatlinburg really yeah, you think we're bad with the uh, the waffle houses down here? No. It's uh <clears throat> um they they're like even ten times worse with the uh with the um uh the pancake houses because they're literally like every other restaurant is a pancake house, which I'm fine with because I, I'm a pancake connoisseur. I love me some pancakes. Do you prefer pancakes over waffles? Um, it depends on my mood really. But if I, I had to say, I, I, I would say I probably prefer pancakes over waffles.
1: Yeah, it's, God, it's really close because you really can't go wrong either yeah.
0: way. I mean, it's not like I'm going to turn down waffles any day of the week. <laughs> that's, like, that's like asking me, you know, which do I like better, uh, you know, Empire Strikes Back or, or New Hope. It's kind of like, they, you know, <laughs> I love them both but one maybe slightly more than the other.
1: There's a uh, 50s themed diner here in town called Scenic 90. They make red velvet pancakes. Oh, never had that before. They are amazing. (laughs) You will feel like you're on the highest of sugar highs after you eat them, but man, they're good.
0: That sounds amazing. Oh my
1: God, that sounds so good. So if if Pensacon does happen as scheduled, <laughs> if you come stay for the weekend, we got to go to this place. Oh, absolutely. We got to cool. go
0: there and then we have to eat lunch or dinner at uh Maguire's.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's tradition. Oh, like yeah. that that has, that has to happen.
0: <laughs> so uh this last week I um I participated in the um RGB high score tournament for uh, with Castlevania and it didn't go well for me. I did some really good runs, and then just the game was actively against me. So I did a couple of resets and uh, eventually got to the point where um, I was running out of time, and I got to Dracula on my fourth run. Uh, I got to Dracula, and I was I had 10 minutes left, and he killed me the first run through, uh in the second run through he killed me when he had one hit point left and i ran out of time so it was a it was a nail biter but all i could get to was dracula i didn't actually finish the game
1: but still i mean i think the fact that you actively participated in it you know that that's half the battle cuz i know a lot of people who say oh i'm going to do something like that yeah. but they never actually do it the fact that you even attempted it I think is really cool,
0: I think if I'd have had five to ten more minutes, I could have killed Dracula, um, but I just ran out of time, and I just had a couple of really good early runs, but then later in the game, it just sort of was actively against me, like dropping bad sub weapons and couldn't get through certain parts of the game without uh you know the holy water. It was just it was started to turn into a wreck in the last few levels, so I would restart. Blast through the game to those last few last level, and then the same thing would happen. I'd get a bad drop or something like that, and it's just oh, the game just felt like it was act- actively against me.
1: Yeah, I I know how that goes, but still, I mean, I, I think the fact that you did it. So is this like um like a monthly thing? Like do they do monthly um iterations of this with different games?
0: Yeah, they do it every month. The first month I did it was Ninja Gaiden. Then last month I didn't get to do it. Uh, I was out of town, or was thought I was going to be out of town, um, but COVID messed that up. But it was a, a, a the first Sega uh, Sonic one for Sega mm-hmm. Genesis, and then this month was Castlevania. Not sure what ne- next month's going to be. Um, Staff Sergeant Sketch has joined us in the chat room, and no, sir, you did not lose three days. All of a sudden, it is still Sunday. <laughs> And I think Derek's frozen. Hold on. Oh, there still is.
1: Sunday morning.
0: Yep, still Sunday morning. Um, so how was your week or last couple of days?
1: <laughs> so while you were doing your, um, your Castlevania run, I, I had the chance to work a ESPNU broadcast over in Mobile for the University of South Alabama. So it was a two-day thing. It was uh, Friday was the setup day which, you know, we drive over, set up all the cameras, make sure all the equipment's working and everything. And then we were done for the day. But my job, because I was a last-minute addition to the crew, I was what you would call a runner, mm-hmm. which is essentially running And that's what I was doing all day on Friday. Run! I had to go out and get supplies, like water, snacks, all that type of stuff. Then I got back to the stadium, then had to run out, and do more errands, came back, hung out for like five minutes and then had to go to Lowe's to pick up some other supplies. And then I got back and the engineer who was essentially in charge of the whole production hands me the keys to his rental car hmm. and says, I've got a, uh, a bit of a longer uh, errand for you. And I was like, okay. And he said, I need you to go to the airport in Pensacola to pick up a bag we forgot. Oh, <laughs> that sucks. So I drove to the airport, went through a little bit of a hassle trying to get the, the equipment case, but I did end up getting it mm-hmm. and then got back to Mobile. And I saw a few of the crew members were getting in their cars and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> So sure enough, I get out. I give the guy the case, and he's like, "All right, you're you're good to go now." Oh man! <laughs> so then I drove back home. And for those who don't know exactly where I live, I live like two minutes from the airport it, here in Pensacola. So I essentially it was almost like I drove home, then drove back to Mobile, then had to drive back home.
0: And that's what, so that about was an my Friday hour drive to Mobile.
1: It was, so where the stadium is, it's right on the South Alabama campus, so it's a little bit more of a drive than yeah. 45 minutes, more like an hour 15. Oof. But the other kicker was, yesterday I had to be at the stadium at 6 a.m. Ugh. <laughs> so I had to leave around 4.30 in the morning.
0: Damn, I would have just gotten a hotel room.
1: Well, that, that I was thinking about that, but then I was like, I'm essentially like I'm taking part of the money that I'm getting paid for to then pay for a hotel. So yeah. that was kind of my logic of I'll just drive back home. Yeah, but you'll spend and most then of it, it on was, gas <laughs> driving back and forth. Yeah, it's true. But uh, yesterday wasn't, wasn't too bad. I, I had to run out, I think, three different times. But it was all stuff that was within like 10 minutes of the stadium. And then... Probably like the last half of the game, I actually got to go on the field and watch some of it. So that that was cool. And That's then cool. broke down all the gear and got back here around, I think, six. And I'll tell you this, when I laid down to go to bed, I was out. I'm sure. <laughs> Sounds like a long weekend.
0: Yeah. And now we're here. Oh, yeah. Mixmaster has joined us in the chat room. Uh, Mixmaster, uh, happy Sunday and uh, you missed the, the Castlevania talk. I actually only got to Dracula because of uh, some bad decisions and, and bad game mechanics. Uh, I had to restart the game a few times. Um, but yeah, if you want to go back and watch my video for it and maybe just like you know scrub through it and watch some highlights, it's still up on my twitch channel and you could go watch me um, actively get my ass kicked by a video game so yeah (laughs) we're gonna blame it on bad game mechanics (laughs) oh yeah um I'm ready to go into the news how about (laughs) you
1: yeah I'm actually really looking forward to talking about this first story
0: awesome let's do this uh, From NintendoLife.com, Microsoft has a very good relationship with Nintendo, but isn't making any promises moving forward. Xbox games should have access to full ecosystems, says Phil. Uh, Microsoft and Nintendo have collaborated a lot lately, but there are no guarantees moving forward, according to head of Xbox, Phil Spencer. When asked by Kotaku this week about the possibility of more Microsoft-published games coming to other consoles, like the Nintendo Switch, Phil replied with the following... It doesn't feel sustainable. In order to really support it, I would want a full Xbox ecosystem somewhere, and that probably, mean, probably means things like Live and Game Pass and stuff. Um, he also says, we have a very good relationship with Nintendo, and I think we see our work very synergistically in terms of trying to grow the market, and it just makes it easy. Every conversation we have with them has really been easy. Um, so what do you think about the, um, this has been going on for quite a while now. And I actually meant to say this on the show a couple of times over the last few weeks. I have a weird feeling that, um, Xbox and Microsoft are going to team up here pretty soon. Uh, maybe not like a full team up, but I think they're going to be some very cool crossover stuff between Nintendo and
1: Microsoft very soon. I think so too, and I remember us talking about this a while back on the show about this being like a potential possibility. So I think I think it could be very interesting because it's a it's a team up that I don't think you would really picture Microsoft and Nintendo, but yeah, I think if if down the line it means that we get cross promotion, like it would be weird seeing, say, like, and this is just me speaking hypotheticals here, but. It would be really weird to see like a Zelda game mm-hmm. on an Xbox or Halo being available for the Switch. You know, it's that would be like the ultimate dream scenario. Cause I know of so many people who say, I would love to play a Zelda game, but I'm not going to get a Nintendo console just for it. I yeah. think if you hypothetically were to put Zelda on the Xbox, it would sell amazingly well. Same thing with other Nintendo properties. And that, I know something that might be a pipe dream would be that you know, Microsoft also own a company called Rare. And the Meridian Air Endo back in the nineties and early two thousands. If something were to come out of it, I think it would be really cool. Maybe we finally see remastered versions of you know Banjo kazooie and I don't know, even like Star Fox Adventures games like that on on the Switch. Yeah, there's a lot of cool things that could happen, but I don't know. Like with with Phil Spencer saying that he would want a full Xbox ecosystem, I don't know that that would happen with Nintendo.
0: Well, w- when he says things like that, what I think they're talking to each other about is, you know, N- Nintendo notoriously has a really bad presence online as far as their Online capabilities and things like that, but Microsoft they're going all in <clears throat> this generation with the online stuff. So, if Microsoft and Nintendo could come to some sort of agreement, I don't think that that's too far fetched to think that you could have a Nintendo, um, Microsoft synergy there as far as online stuff, you know, have some like it may not be out of the realm of possibility to have game pass on uh you know your Nintendo Switch or a next generation of Nintendo Switch i don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities and you can have Nintendo stuff over on Xbox you know game pass it stranger things have happened in the world but i think that maybe Nintendo is is talking with Microsoft about how to maybe make their online presence a little better and I have a feeling that that's Nintendo of America and not Nintendo of Japan because they are notoriously 20 years behind everyone else when it comes to an online presence. Like they don't understand Twitch, they don't you know, they don't understand that Twitch games and Twitch gamers playing their games is actually uh you know uh advertisement or youtube videos as advertisement they see it as money being taken away from them but they just don't understand that that's that's free advertising for them and it's going to take them a long time to to learn differently rampage has joined us what's up rampage
1: what do you think sony would think of this
0: oh they'd be pissed <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like Sony, don't get me wrong, but they are really going to lose out this next generation, I think, because they don't have a strong uh, online... I mean, they do, but they don't have it to the extent that uh, Microsoft has it. Because Microsoft has the whole ecosystem as far as computers and Windows and all that stuff. Sony is kind of... you know, They're a huge company, but they're still lagging behind in that kind of stuff.
1: Well, I feel like Microsoft, they've, from day one, they've had an advantage with that because they're Microsoft. And I think when we had the previous battle of, you know, the Xbox One versus the PS4, when it came to system hardware, I preferred the PS4, which is why I got it. Yeah. Because I didn't, I looked at it as, for the most part, the same games are going to come out for the same consoles. But I feel like, with this next generation that's coming up Microsoft has really stepped up their game and to me I would be more likely to get the, the Xbox One X as opposed to the PS5
0: yeah same here
1: like we've been talking about the last couple of weeks
0: I mean I may get a PS5 eventually but that no, Xbox One X or the whatever the new one's called just the Series X just looks way yeah. too tempting with that game pass
1: yeah I agree. It's going to be very interesting. Like, I'm very interested to hear more about this possible synergy with Microsoft and Nintendo over the coming months because some very good things could come out of it.
0: Yeah. What if we get Master but we'll, Chief? We'll have to see. Get Master Chief in uh, Smash Brothers.
1: <laughs> oh, don't tease me with that. <laughs> Dude, if they got, imagine this if they announced Crash Bandicoot and then like a month later they announced Master Chief. Wow.
0: That would be awesome.
1: (laughs) Talk about things that you thought you would never see in your lifetime. Oh, yeah. As far as being a gaming fan, that would be one of them. (laughs) That would be freaking nuts. But our next story also comes to us from Nintendolife.com. The Switch has now been the best-selling console in the U.S. for 22 consecutive months. That's a new record. Also dethrones the Xbox 360. Earlier earlier this week, the NPD predicted the Switch would be the best-selling console this holiday season in the U.S. The device is apparently in high demand, with households expected to pick up multiple units in the fourth quarter. Adding to this is the lack of available inventory of new PlayStation and Xbox systems, which will supposedly leave the Switch as an appealing and available option. If you weren't already convinced the Switch's success is set to continue, in addition to this, it's now been highlighted that the hybrid system has been the best-selling console hardware in this location for 22 consecutive months straight. Hmm. All the way back to December of 2018, around the time the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate was released. So what do you think? I mean, the previous record holder was uh, the Xbox 360, which was the best-selling console for 21 months, uh, from August 2011 to April of 2013.
0: I don't know. I just think the Switch is just such a good option for everybody right now, just just for the sheer fact that it's a hybrid system. may not be the best graphics or, um, you know, the, the best really... It's sort of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, but at the same time, it's Nintendo, and people don't care about that stuff. The people that love Nintendo don't care about graphics or, you know, uh, PC power or whatever, or CPU power or whatever. They just want good games, and Nintendo has some of the greatest library of games, and plus it's such a cool system. I mean, it's going to continue to be a smash hit for Nintendo up there with, you know, the Wii. It's going to do Wii numbers uh, or close to it before this thing's done. And it's still got what, at least another two and a half years of life left in it.
1: Yeah. I think it's the combination of all those things. The fact that it is a system that you can take wherever you want, because especially with the pandemic and people having to stay at home or, you know, go out to, you know, open air spaces like, say, a park or somewhere like that. You can take your Switch with you and play it wherever you want. And I think, does it have the strongest library? I don't think so, but I think it has enough where you have Breath of the Wild, you have Mario Odyssey, you have great multiplayer games like Smash Brothers, like Mario Kart, you have, I think, enough of the retro games online and also... Indie games are huge right now mm-hmm. and Nintendo is the the darling console for indie games. Yep. So the fact that you can download these games and take them wherever you want, I mean to me it's a no-brainer, the fact that the Switch has been doing I don't think we expected it to do maybe as well as it's currently doing, which I think is partially due to the pandemic, but I I love seeing this, you know, because I we've been I, I know this was before you and I met, but I was still flying the Nintendo flag when Sony and Microsoft rose in relevancy when it comes to video games. And Nintendo was almost like, "Oh, they're still around." Like yeah. people were actually asking if Nintendo were still around. So the fact that they've made this huge comeback with the Switch mm-hmm. is is awesome to me. You know, and the
0: and the sad part is is Nintendo has that. Um has the the Star Trek disease where every other movie every other system is great (laughs) and there's always that one system that's kind of doesn't really do that well so the next system probably is not going to do great like the Wii U but the one afterwards is going to do gangbusters I think Derek is frozen again
1: I'm curious as to what the next like iteration of.
0: Hold on, I'm going, can you hear me? I'm going to pause for just a moment, and uh, we're back. I forgot what we were talking about before things went to crap. We were—I know we were talking about the switch.
1: I mentioned what Nintendo's next console could be, and there's actually some good comments in the chat. Uh, Mixmaster says they should name it the Dolphin, <laughs> which was the code name for the GameCube.
0: I'm going to be I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I think Nintendo's next console is going to be uh virtual reality.
1: They should call it Virtual Man.
0: Yeah, the Virtual Man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I I oh, think Nintendo's going to be come out with something VR related that's going to knock the socks off everybody.
1: Well, I mean, I I think there's some there's some truth to that because it seems like nintendo with their last few consoles they've been trying out new technology and i know that it hasn't been talked about as much but you know samsung did their whole um vr headset Mm -hmm. that you could put your uh cell phone in if you have uh if you had a samsung phone so i i could see nintendo going down that avenue absolutely oh yeah
0: um, and for our next story, this comes from News18.com. Analog's latest retro gaming console runs CD-ROMs and supports wireless controllers. Analog, the maker of premium retro gaming consoles, is expanding its portfolio to the launch of Duo, its all-in-one NEC video game system. The latest Duo console is capable of playing almost every game that runs on the NEC's library of old-school hardware including TurboGrafx-16, PC Engine, Super Graphics, and more all in 1080p. Additionally, the last, the latest Analog Duo features an original-style cartridge slot, controller port, and CD-ROM drive, making it compatible for game formats like cue cards, turbo chips, and CD-ROM. The console by Analog is slated to release next year for $199.99. Um, and one of the highlights of the Duo Gaming console is that it supports Bluetooth and 2.4 GHz connectivity. It means that users with 8-bit du- Bluetooth or 2.4 GHz controllers can play games on the console wirelessly. Uh, it also includes a three point three and a half millimeter headphone jack, volume rockers, a USB slot, and an HDMI slot. What do you think about this? I mean, I've been playing the, the TurboGrafx-16 Mini, this might actually be kind of cool to have because you could play the original games on this thing, and it's, it seems like it's got some pretty good hardware under the hood.
1: The thing I'm curious about, it says here playing almost every game that run on in NEC's library of old-school hardware. It says including TurboGrafx, PC Engine, super Graphics, and more. I'd love to see a full list of what it actually can play, but um, I think the fact that it's just $200 it sounds really powerful. It's got some great options. Yeah, i I would be actually very interested in this. I mean, for and I'm not saying it's... I'm not saying it like in a bad way. I'm saying that I would love to know like the full list because it actually sounds really impressive.
0: Yeah, uh, and to go back to the Nintendo thing, Rampage brought up a good uh, point. He said he remembers some months ago Nintendo filed some kind of patent for dual screen, so possibly the next step for the Switch. I actually we I mean, we did talk about this. I think we did a while back and that seems like a no-brainer. We did. For um a next generation of the Switch to have that second screen kind of like the uh, the 3DS did. I think that that would be probably the logical next step
1: for the next iteration of the Switch. <clears throat> Give it the DS treatment? Absolutely. I'd get behind that. But no, the, this analog system uh, actually sounds Really cool and seeing the picture of it, it, it kind of looks like a PS2. It does a little bit.
0: I was thinking that exact same thing. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you're no, really into the turbo graphics or the PC engine, this seems kind of like a no-brainer to pick this up.
1: And it says here, uh, last year the company launched the portable analog pocket is compatible with games from Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm.
0: Did we talk about that? I think we did. I have a, a a
1: memory of us talking about that. I think we did. Interesting. But no, I'd love to find out a little more information about this because it actually sounds really cool.
0: Yeah. This next story is pretty cool. I might actually get in on this.
1: Yeah. This next story comes to us from TechRadar.com. The Neo Geo Arcade Stick Pro is the ultimate retro gaming Prime Day gift. If you've been following the retro gaming scene in the past couple of years, you might have noticed that miniature versions of retro consoles have been hot stuff. The Neo Geo Arcade Stick, a peripheral which also includes a collection of old SNK games, you've probably seen at the arcades, in one form or another over the years, is one of the best. For Prime Day, Amazon is discounting the Neo Geo Arcade Stick, which is both a standalone console and an actual arcade stick you can use when playing other games. You just hook it up to your TV via HDMI and enjoy these classics on the big screen, which includes uh, King of Fighters, Fatal Fury, Metal Slug, and Samurai Showdown. It's a more niche selection than your SNES Classic or PlayStation Mini, but that's sort of what's great about it.
0: And it's not bad. For for Amazon Prime Day, it's going to be $96 for the Arcade Stick Pro um which is pretty much what I would get. Uh it outputs at 720p. Um and then you have the other one the Ar- the arcade stick pro player pack for 160. Um it's got two controllers that come with it, but I would just get that arcade stick pro.
1: I love the look of it. it how it's just so cool. like clean mm-hmm. and sleek. You can always... go on the the Amazon link, and it gives you like a a more like detailed look of what the console actually looks like. Mm-hmm. It lo- looks pretty. A Yeah,
0: because I used to be enamored with the Neo Geo back when I was a kid, because it was that console that nobody had, everybody wanted. You know, it had arcade. You know, it was so advanced for a home system, and it was so expensive. I mean, I remember it being like. Wasn't like six, eight hundred bucks back when we were kids, and games were like two hundred dollars. Like only the richest of the rich kids had a Neo Geo.
1: Weren't VHS tapes really expensive too when they first came out? Oh
0: yeah, they were like a hundred bucks. If I remember the VHS tapes, if you uh, lost it or damaged the tape, it was like eighty bucks to replace it at uh, you know Blockbuster or whatever. Everything was way more and
1: expensive. And we complain about, about $60 games being too expensive. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, let's see. For the, our second... Or is this the last story? Let me this see. This is our last story. Awesome. Uh, from Lifehacker.com. Uh, this is just a little short story I wanted to throw in here. Get these free Sega games on PC before they're gone. Uh, with Sega celebrating its 60th anniversary a collection of PC games that are free to download for a limited time, plus numerous other sales and freebies available through Steam. Four of the free-to-keep games were developed or resurrected, specifically for Sega's 60th birthday. Each one represents different parts of Sega's multi-decade history, but they'll only be available, available to download for a day or two, depending on the title. Uh, October 16th through 19th, Armor of Heroes um 16th through 19th endless zone October 18th what is what is the date today uh so you got today if you're watching this live to go get golden axed and then streets of camaracho I've never heard of that one uh available 17th through the 19th um and you can go download them free on steam once they're available Oh, in addition to those four There's titles, all... Sega's giving away a couple of old school classics Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on the 19th and Nights into Dreams, um, an oddball Sega Saturn game. Uh doesn't say anytime within the next 60 days that one's available.
1: You know, I've never really been that big into Steam, but I might take advantage of this strictly for Nights into Dreams because I've. Wanted to play this game since I was a kid because I I didn't have a Sega Saturn, so I never had the chance to. So, this that might be the one that I take advantage of in this Uh, Streets of Camaracho. The just the thumbnail from the trailer looks pretty interesting. Oh, it does. It's an arcade style beat em up, it blends the Streets of Rages gameplay and 16 bit graphic style with the Yakuza series' popular characters and settings. Yeah, I'm gonna have to actually.
0: Sounds kind of cool. I'm going to have to start up my Steam and go get a couple of these.
1: Yeah, I think I might have to do the same. Interesting.
0: Yeah, if you're listening live, go grab these today before they're gone.
1: Yeah, most of these are available through the 19th, which if you're listening live is uh, up until tomorrow. So you've got, uh, got today and tomorrow to do it. Fantastic.
0: Well, it's time to move into this month in video game history in october of 1978 namco releases their first arcade video game gb in japan uh for a minute i saw that for uh, when i first looked at this i thought there was a bg's video game And Derek's frozen again. (laughs) Hold on, I'm going to pause real quick. And Derek's back. (laughs) But I don't know if you heard me. And when I first saw this in there, I thought it said BG. And I was thinking it was like, you know, a disco. (laughs) Something about
1: the BGs. Like the BGs? Yeah. (laughs) No, no, it's uh, it's not about the BGs. No. I've never heard of this game before. Ever. Though that would have made sense because this was the time that... Yeah, I haven't either. I, I think the the poster looks kind of interesting. It- it's got the the North American arcade flyer on the Wikipedia page. Yeah. I, I like the color scheme of it. Like, it-, it reminds me... Let's see, this was 78. I don't know. The- I think more of, like, the 60s when I see, like, the font and the color scheme and everything. Oh, but... yeah. I-, I thought this story was kind of interesting. That um, it's uh, I believe it was Namco's yeah, Namco's first arcade game. Hmm. I don't which know is crazy matters.
0: to think about. It did uh, have two sequels, it said in seventy nine, Bomb B and Cutie Q. Never heard of either of those.
1: Bomb B sounds like an energy drink. Yeah. Get you a bomb B today! <laughs> <laughs> uh I love it. Let's see. October of 1981, Atari Incorporated releases Tempest, one of the first games to use Atari's color quadra scan vector display technology. It was also the first game to allow the player to choose their starting level. A system Atari dubbed the skill step.
0: Holy crap, I love Tempest. I would love to have a Tempest machine. Did uh did Arcade One Up ever make a Tempest machine? Because that would be one I would love to have. Tempest was great. I have a lot of memories of playing Tempest at the uh, the skating rink when I was a kid.
1: Let's see. Tempest is uh, one of those games that should still up. be around. There is oh this is unavailable. Unavailable. There there was an arcade one-up there was an arcade one-up machine that had Asteroids, Major Havoc, Lunar Lander and Tempest.
0: Yeah, but the thing about Tempest is you got to have that um it's not a trackball, but it's a it's the twisty um, sort of like dial that you play with. Like that's that's like the main component to play Tempest is
1: with that tra- that that kind of a, that knob controller. Yeah, no, I I know what you're talking about. I don't know the actual name for it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah,
0: even Rampage said it was the knob on there because that that was the the like. You know, hitting the knob, and or turning the knob and hitting the, the fire button. Like, that was just, man, it was that was such a cool game.
1: Uh, Rampage comments my face whenever I was frozen. Yeah. I was probably upset because my <laughs> internet's, for some reason, it, it's been crappy all morning. Yeah, but you it just had a I hurricane. I needed to use it for the show, so.
0: You just had a hurricane a, a couple weeks ago. Everything's probably still hiccuping over there. Pro- probably so. Uh, let's see. October of 1983, Coleco releases the Atom home computer. It is the only is only on the market for 15 months. I do not remember the Atom computer. That is some 80s looking shit right there. <laughs> Look yes, at sir. It looks like
1: it belongs in a factory. <laughs> it does. Do you remember? It was in the the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie. I think it was early on. I think they were doing some type of test to find out like the location of the the golden tickets or whatever mm-hmm. and they were in this like white room with these really bulky looking old yeah. computers that's what this makes me think
0: of yeah that's what this looks like like this would be um totally on a sci-fi movie set like i could see this being in a uh, you know and like um THX 1138 like this would be the computers they'd be they'd be working on <laughs> yeah and this thing was holy crap check this out this was 700 the introductory price was $725 and that was 1983 one uh, adjusted for inflation that is $1861.07. This thing doesn't even have a monitor. That's another 3000. Almost 2 grand that doesn't even have a monitor. This has it has the tape decks. It's crazy. I'm so glad it's, we can get computers for like $300 now.
1: <laughs> could you imagine paying two grand for that? Well, I kind of
0: did with my, my iMac, <laughs> which, which the iMac is worth it because I've had it for like yeah. eight years now and it's still going strong. So that thing only lasted 15 months. So that was two, you know, the equal of two
1: grand down the drain. That's mind blowing. Yeah. In October of 1984, Han Falcon releases action role-playing game Dragon Slayer in Japan. Dragon Slayer. These... I want to say we've talked about this game before. Uh
0: I'm sure we have because I remember the, us talking about this uh the cover art because it looks straight out of mm-hmm. like Conan. Like that, um, who was it that did the Conan yeah. art? Um, oh, I can't remember his name. The painter that did all those cool Conan paintings—I can't remember his name—but looks very much that that realm. Like you would see this painted on the side of a van back in the late seventies.
1: <laughs> the crazy thing is, this never came out in the U.S. Like I'm looking at the release dates; it came out for. Uh, Sega Saturn as part of the Falcom Classics in November of 97, Japan only. Hmm. Game Boy in August of 1990, Japan only. Super Cassette Vision, there's a name for you. Whoa. In 1986, Japan only. Gotta love that Super Cassette Vision.
0: (laughs) 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 Uh... Uh, and right, here's one of your favorites visited. right here. October 18th of 1994, Sonic & Knuckles is released. It allows a player to connect previous Sonic games to the cartridge, making Knuckles playable in them. And we've talked about this many times before. That was such a cool technology that I can't believe didn't take off. They could have done so much with... Nintendo could have done so much with that technology.
1: In a way, like it makes me think of the Super Game Boy. But it's also different in the sense that with Sonic & Knuckles, you connected two console games together to create like a brand new experience. And I I can't believe that this was not expanded on. And I know I I talked about this more in detail when I did my Sonic & Knuckles review, but this was so innovative back in 94 because you had these old games that you just plug it into the cartridge and it gives it a brand new experience. And the cool thing was if you plugged in Sonic 3, you essentially had two games in one with Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which is one of the coolest gaming experiences that I ever had uh, when I was a kid. And even you know, going back and uh, playing as Knuckles in Sonic 2 it gave it just a whole brand new life. And yeah, I, I can't believe that nin- maybe Nintendo didn't want to do it because it would have been looked at as copying Sega, Yeah, but even Sega didn't really do it. Yeah. After this.
0: <clears throat> so weird. Such a good technology that they just left lying on the floor, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I can't understand why they didn't do anything with it. But to close us out for this month in video game history, on October 19th of 1999, Pokemon Yellow, the special Pikachu edition, is released for the Game Boy in North America. Uh, I mentioned this before, but Pokemon Yellow kind of started the trend of. The third Pokemon game that would come out with each generation. Yeah. And Yellow was created mostly because the cartoon or the anime was so popular that it's essentially the same game as Red and Blue, but with elements of the cartoon incorporated. You know, Pikachu follows you around, he's your starter, as opposed to your choice of uh, Bulbasaur, Charmander, or Squirtle. You get all three of those Pokemon later on in the game. You run into Team Rocket, who were extremely. Prevalent uh, in the anime so and, and also some of the the uh, character animations and looks were changed mm-hmm. to um, more accurately depict their cartoon edition and this is still today my favorite Pokemon game of all time I love yellow yeah you're our so resident good, uh,
0: so you're our resident Pokemon expert because I <laughs> you're speaking uh, Swahili to me when you're talking about Pokemon
1: the Pokemans.
0: The Pokemans. <laughs> before... uh, Mixmaster
1: says he has Sonic and Knuckles on Wii. Yeah. But never went through it. Just played the first couple of stages. It's I'm I mentioned this before, but it's my least favorite of like that generation of Sonic games, but I still enjoy it.
0: Didn't you uh, you reviewed bad. that, didn't you?
1: Yep. Ah, oh, I remember I think I remember. That yeah, again. so I think there might be one more of the like the classic Sonic games that I have left to review, but as far as like the ones that I strictly grew up watching or not watching but playing, mm. that was like the the last one. But I, I can't remember what the other. It might be. I think Sonic 3D Blast was on the Genesis 2, or that might have been a a Saturn deal. I don't remember. I can't remember, but I know I still have to review that one. But I I didn't really like hmm. that game. That much. <laughs> Uh, before we go BS into Rampage the Sonic 2 is still the best.
0: Before we go into the review for uh, today, uh, Derek has some shout-outs.
1: Yeah, as always, we like to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreoncom nerdcaveretro. We want to shout out Armez Jackson, XBlade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll aka the Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch Randy Bailey and Tyler Watson, which, by the way, Tyler, thank you for the Pac-Man 2 shout-out on Twitter the other day. (laughs) If you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And because we are still at the $50 level, we'll continue to do the really fun commentary tracks for you. And I believe this month you're actually going to get two for one. We're going to be doing a commentary for an episode of The Real Ghostbusters as well as the awesome Pac-Man cartoon. So we'll be recording that, I believe, next week. Mm -hmm. And if you want to keep us at the $50 level, you can head over to patreon.com slash Yeah, I
0: know we were supposed to do Mask of the Phantasm this month, but um, we decided to push that back and do that over the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. So that's going to be your Thanksgiving release, is Mask of the Phantasm. I, I really wanted to do... Uh, There's a particular Ghostbusters episode I want to do that's perfect for Halloween that we're going to do for for this month. So we hope you guys enjoy it because it's one of the creepiest episodes ever for that cartoon series, and I cannot wait to do it. Um, But let's go ahead and move into the review. Tonight, Eric is going to be talking about... And Derek is frozen again. <laughs> oh, man, let me pause again real quick. Sorry about that, everybody. We finally got everything uh, crystal clear now on the Internet connection, so all right, got, got the the game music out of the way. Derek, take it out take it away.:
1: Okay, so we mentioned last week you know, you, you uh, reviewed a Castlevania game. And I was like, you know what, we'll just keep the Castlevania train rolling with uh, my review of Castlevania for the Nintendo 64, also referred to as Castlevania 64. It was released in 1999 as an action adventure video game developed by Konami's Kobe branch for the N64 video game console and was published in Japan as Demon Castle Dragula, or Dracula Apocalypse, which is actually a pretty cool name. But um, as has been documented on this show before, Castlevania is a series that is relatively still new to me because I didn't grow up playing Castlevania like you did. I was really kind of introduced to it through doing the show and then watching the animated series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I remember years ago, like this game coming out for the N sixty four, but I never played it because I wasn't into Castlevania. But I figured with Halloween Horror Month, why not give it a try? And plus, I was also curious to see how it would adapt to the 3D world as opposed to 2D. Like a lot of those classic franchises did, like Mario, Sonic, Zelda. All those franchises had to, in a way, reinvent themselves Mm -hmm. back in the day. So that was my biggest curiosity factor when playing this game. And I'd also heard very mixed things about it. I've heard some people like it, some people don't. But I figure with me not being as big of a Castlevania fan or not as knowledgeable, I might be able to give an interesting perspective on it. So I started playing it, and the first thing I noticed, and something that surprised me, because I read nothing about this game before I started playing it, you had the option to play as two different characters you can select one of the game's protagonists, which is Carrie Fernandez, a young orphan girl uh, gifted with magical powers, or Reinhardt Schneider, the whip-wielding heir to the Belmont clan, which I was surprised that his last name wasn't Belmont. Yeah, Schneider. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, is he like the ancestor of Rob Schneider?
0: Yeah. Like, like the, the comedy or, actor? Or Schneider from One Day at a Time? Like, <laughs> <laughs> And that's that weird, would've... like, that's my first question about this game. Like, if you're going to play a Castlevania game, you want to play the whip-wielding hero. Not that it's not cool to have different heroes to pick, but why, like, a, a little girl or, you know, the, the whip-wielding heir to the Belmont clan? Like, <laughs> that's no-brainer.
1: I mean, why couldn't you just name him Belmont? Yeah,
0: why? Schneider.
1: That's I mean, so Reinhardt Belmont is not the greatest name, but it's still Belmont, Yeah, and it makes it more consistent with the rest of the games. Belmont just now, sounds cool. Like, that's a
0: cool last name. Not Schneider.
1: <laughs> if I ever have a son, I should name him Belmont. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Belmont Diamond, I don't know how well that sounds. Belmont but
0: Diamond. Anyway.
1: <laughs> but anyway, I didn't entirely dislike the option to play as a second character. I think it's kind of pointless because the the Belmont name is so synonymous with the Castlevania series. But I figure I'll be objective. I'll try out both. We'll see how it goes. Now, something that I did like about playing two separate characters, it does give you almost a separate experience playing through the game as as Carrie because she has different abilities and you have to do, not necessarily different objectives, but you play through the game in a different way because of the powers that she has as opposed to
0: Oh no internet, don't you and you do have, this to me. <laughs> you had a hiccup
1: there for um, some break. It. Oh, no worries. But um, anyway, I like the fact that it gave you a different dynamic playing through the game. That being said, I much prefer playing as Reinhardt as opposed to Carrie because, again, if you want to play a Castlevania game, you want it to have that Castlevania feel where you have, you know, the the whip wielding hero, and you you know you have the other sub weapons that you can get that you use throughout the game. But, you know, when when you play as Reinhardt. It feels more like Castlevania, whereas when you play as Carrie, it doesn't. Yeah. So I don't entirely dislike the option to play as a second character, but I much prefer playing as Reinhardt because, you know, I want to play a Castlevania game. Yeah. Now, from what I've played from the old Castlevania games as compared to this, I don't entirely dislike the evolution from 2D to 3D, but as we've complained about in the past with the Nintendo 64, it has a couple of problems. Yeah. Now, I have I look at it as this is a product of its time, but there are some things, technical-wise, that I think are, to me, inexcusable. Like, the look of the game... Yeah, the graphics are not the greatest, but most N64 games are not the greatest looking. I, like, I don't, I'm not knocking the graphics because they're a product of their time, and that's what I expect. But the biggest complaint that I have from a technical standpoint about this game, the camera mechanic is atrocious. <laughs> absolutely atrocious. I fell off of cliffs multiple times because I couldn't... Manipulate the camera to see where to go. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would, I would <clears throat> jump to this cliff area to to grab something, and I try to go back, but I can't move the camera, and I ended up falling off. You know, the section because there's this one portion early in the game where you're having to jump across broken pieces of a stone bridge in order to get to like this side of a cliff where you collect something. I try to go back. I can't move the camera at all. And I completely miss where I was going previously. And then I had to restart that whole area all over again. (laughs) Uh, That just sounds not fun. No. And actually playing it, like the, the general mechanics aren't bad. They're very simplistic in a way, but again, I look at it as kind of, a product of its time. I can go back and play Ocarina of Time and you know like your your sword slashes and hacks are relatively simple whereas they're much more complex as the series progresses. So that I again I kind of look at it as as a product of its time but man that the the whole camera thing just really like it frustrated me to the point that I didn't want to play the game anymore.
0: I I have not played this game Since it came out in in 99 sometime, probably that summer of 99, I remember renting it and I never bought this game. I just remember renting it and that was the one thing that drove me crazy about it. And I don't remember a whole lot from the game. I just remember being really frustrated with it and just going, this just sucks and stop playing it after you know the first day I was like I just I can't do this this just does not like being such a when I was a kid you know going from original Castlevania to Castlevania 4 on the Super Nintendo leaving video games for a few years you know in my college years and then coming back uh, to buy a Nintendo 64 in 1999 and playing these games like I loved super uh, uh, Super Mario 64. Uh, Resident Evil Two, all those games, like the the Rogue One games and all that stuff. But man, trying to play this was just it. It was broken to me at the time. Like I did not. I just remember not having any fun playing this game.
1: Yeah, just some comments in the chat. Rampage says that I'm a poor soul having to play this abomination. (laughs) I've heard this one too because Mixmaster says it's the second one. Legacy of Darkness is way better. I was reading about that, you know, after the fact cuz I've I've only been able to play this game over the last couple of days. So I didn't get too terribly far into it, but it felt like and I could be completely off in saying this, but it seemed like it was almost like an incomplete game. Yeah. It it felt very like buggy and glitchy in certain places. Almost like they rushed it to get it out. Yeah. And I don't understand why. Because if you have a sequel that, you know, apparently is way better, why, why wouldn't you put your all into making this the best that it can be? And Wait, even Mixmaster,
0: I'm, I'm sorry, Mixmaster even mentioned that uh, in the chat a little while ago about how Legacy of, what was it called?
1: Legacy um, of Darkness. Legacy of
0: Darkness was basically this game remade. Uh, I'm trying to look back because I, I couldn't find anything about that. Um,
1: yeah, he says they rushed out the first. It had yeah. stages from the first, and they took out the annoying ones.
0: Yeah, yeah. Castlevania Legacy of Darkness is this basically remade, and they rushed it out. That I don't know. There's just something about a lot of those games in this area and this era, and we've talked about it a lot. That this was that transition from 2D to 3D, and This was a brand new gaming world, you know, the 3D gaming, and we didn't have the controllers for that. I don't care what people say, that GameCube controller is crap. And then once we got to the, you know, the original Xbox and PlayStation 2 era with the dual analog sticks and, you know, the, the graphics are just ugly in this period, I don't know. I just don't like people would love to have a Nintendo sixty four mini, but just I'm just saying, like I don't. Th- I think you guys are looking at this era with rose colored glasses, man. It's just it wasn't good. It, those games don't look great. They play like crap. I mean, as much as I would love to go back, I have Shadows of the Empire that I want to go back and play, but I'm scared to because I know it's gonna play like crap, and then I'm gonna have this ruined
1: memory of how much fun i had with that game. No, and you're absolutely right because i have gone back in recent years and played Shadows of the Empire. It was when i did it, you know, for a review of the show. But yeah, i think sentimental value and memories can in a way taint the realism mm-hmm. of games from this era. And I'm not even really knocking the graphics because I was expecting it to not look good because I know most N64 games do not look good. I mean, there are some from like the very late stages of the N64 that don't look bad. Yeah,
0: well, you look at Nintendo 64 compared to GameCube and that's what, you know, just a couple of years difference. It's night and day. A Nintendo 64 games look like just garbage compared to GameCube game. Like you play GameCube games today and they look really good still. And that you know, we made that transition. Once we got to the GameCube era, that transition was was good. We're like, "Okay, we know how to do this now."
1: Well, and people also forget the early PlayStation games. Yeah. Look like crap They're too. Terrible. Like you look at the original Crash Bandicoot game, it looks terrible.
0: Yeah, those games are awful. And that's why I think the PlayStation Mini didn't do great, because that just that era of gaming, console gaming from 1996 to 1999 was just awful. I mean, people had fun. You know, the Nintendo 64 did have some good titles. The PlayStation did have some good titles. But you go back and play those now, and they're terrible. They're just awful.
1: I'm curious now to go back and play Legacy of Darkness to see how much better it is than this version, because I'm not going to lie. I, I really tried to sit down over the last couple of days and play through this game and I would make it to certain points, but then I would just keep dying for like the camera reasons. And the mm-hmm. fact that it doesn't play very well. And honestly, it frustrated me to the point that I would stop playing it. Then I would try again <laughs> later and be like, okay, well, you know, give it another shot. Yeah. And then the fact that it would make you start back at the very beginning and go through all that crap again, mm-hmm. to then just die for essentially the same reasons. I was like, I just, I can't, I, I can't do it. Like, I just could not do it. And <laughs> I, I wanted to like this game, because I felt like they were onto to something, but they just didn't quite get there. Yeah. When it came to, like, the transition from 2D, because not all of them have worked. Like, I don't think Sonic is that great in 3D. Mm-hmm. Mario made the transition. But the Castlevania, I feel like, and after I play Legacy of Darkness, I could think differently. But I feel like Castlevania is one of those series that is best left to the two D mechanic. Well, I don't know, Be- because I because it works so well. I think the three D, it it
0: can work in three D. I think it's got a great. Um, the, I love the world of Castlevania. I just think if they would do it in a um sort of a Elder Scrolls style of gameplay, like that style of gameplay, or like I, I keep saying, like the Devil May Cry style gameplay of that, you know, that really cool, um, you know, that kind of combat system, like the the Batman Arkham games, that kind of combat system would be perfect. But you you know that those early attempts at the th- jump into three D. A lot of these games just couldn't make the cut, man. I don't know what made... I would still, to this day, I couldn't tell you what made Super Mario 64 work, but it just did. And I don't know if it was just simplicity, or... I, I just don't... I can't... It's one of those things you can't pinpoint. Um, And even the, the Resident Evil series, it, that camera sucks, but at least you had it locked in a position... And and it would change to where you could see what you were doing, but there were so many games like this where the camera just didn't work, and it, you know you end up like you said falling off of ledges and uh, just game breaking, uh, you know horribleness.
1: Well, I think the reason why it worked with Mario is because you look at the original Mario Brothers run from Mario Brothers to I'd say Super Mario World. Your objective is to go through each world and your primary attack is you jump. Mm -hmm. But you get the other power-ups like the cape, the raccoon tail, things like that. They were able to port that over to Mario 64 because the jump is still your primary attack, but then you can do the double jump, the triple jump, the somersaults. So you're taking that basic concept and you just add a little bit more to it. That and you add in the vibrant, colorful world of... Mario 64, and I think that's why it ultimately worked. But with other games, like with Sonic, it never worked because also of technical reasons. You know, like in the Sonic Adventure games, the camera is horrible. and also caused me to die. Yeah. Much like Castlevania 64 did. So, I, I don't know. Like, I really wanted to like this Castlevania game because I've enjoyed going through and playing all the old ones. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the mechanics are so bad it it weighs it down for me. And it made me not want to play it. Yeah. So like, unfortunately I can't give like a in-depth review of the game from start to finish because of the fact that it is a product of its time. And it shows that yeah these games while we might have fond memories of playing them. And maybe it's because we didn't know any better. yeah, Because it's kind of what we had. So we just had to deal with it. But Yep. It's it wasn't good. Um, it just was not good. I just have
0: a feeling, you know, a lot of these N sixty four games that we're going to be reviewing over the next few years, just we're gonna, we're just not going to look back on them kindly. <laughs> you know, there are some that are great and some that are just bad. And um, mixed master asks if we played the Lords of Shadow. Games for the PS3. It was Castlevania Lords of Shadow. I never played those. And I know there was a Castlevania game for the 360. And maybe those are what I'm asking for. I need to go back and play those. But uh, no, I, n- I never played those. I, Castlevania was kind of off my radar for, for quite a while. Through that whole era. You know, the Xbox 360 era. The PS3 and PS4 era. This It was just kind of out of my radar at that point. I really didn't get back into... Castlevania until we started doing this show. And it was one of those games that prompted me to want to start doing this show again, you know, back in 2016.
1: We've been talking about the, our thoughts on this game, or mostly my thoughts on this game, but interestingly enough, the reception of this game, it received generally positive reviews. It has an average of 78 out of 100 on Metacritic and 73% at game rankings. At the release, most critics considered the game to be a good transition to the series despite many changes in gameplay. It praised the graphics, audio, and gameplay, saying the developers have done a fantastic job of capturing the atmosphere and spirit of the series while providing a well-balanced, challenging gameplay experience. It's filled with pretty visuals, awesome though limited music, plenty of secrets, and some incredible bosses. I, but think it says were here,
0: little, I think they are uh, the being ca- a little generous.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say so. And it says here, the camera and the controls, however, were heavily criticized. Game Revolution stated that the camera made the game barely tolerable, saying getting a good view of the action is almost impossible, so players finding themselves just making do with a bad camera angle. This, of course, often leads to death. Mm-hmm. And regarding the controls, the control itself is a little frisky. Most of the control problems are found in the speed of the character, Moving close to an edge in order to jump to a lower platform is tedious. I do agree with that. You end up mastering the lemming dive because you were able to do it with some degree of success. Uh, Control feels too float at first, and the camera can be painful. So, there were things about it that again, that I liked that they were going with it. Like I didn't hate the atmosphere that they created because I felt like it was going in a good direction. But again, it just feels like the developers just stopped at a certain point and said, "No, this is good."
0: Maybe they did. Maybe they just ran out of time. I mean, that could—that's, you know, back then, that was uh, something they had to come up against too. If they had a hard uh, release date, you know, they're working with a new technology basically with the N64 and 3D gaming. Maybe they just ran out of time.
1: One thing, and, and I didn't make it to the ending of this, so I didn't get to actually see it myself, but one thing in reading this that I've, I thought was kind of cool, that there are two different endings to the game, and it depends on how long it takes to complete it. So if you take 16 or more in-game days to reach the second chamber on the stairs to the Castle Keep, uh, his character named Vince them been defeated by the vampire assumed to be Dracula and turned into a vampire, which will trigger the bad ending Hmm. and then it it, uh, let's see uh, and if it took 15 or fewer days you will have arrived before Charles Vincent, which will trigger the good ending Uh, after finding the vampire disguised as Dracula, they will encounter Malice, who transforms into an adult and defeat him atop the clock tower. After his defeat Malice will regain the form of a child Attempting to dupe the hero, he will pretend to have no recollection of the battle, but Vincent will arrive and douse the boy with holy water. Vincent explains that Malice was not possessed, but in fact, the reincarnation of Dracula. Malice then transports the hero to an alternate realm to battle his true form, a centipedal dragon. After Dracula's defeat, the player will receive one of the good endings. So, I I do, I like games like that where if you, like, say, get to the certain point at a certain time, you trigger an ending. If you it takes yeah. you longer, it triggers a different ending. That way, I like that because it gives you replay value because sometimes, like in this case, I would have taken longer so I would experience the other ending and then try to beat it in quicker time to experience the other ending. Yeah. So I, I do like that, but... <clears throat> I, just for anybody who might be curious to play this game, I would honestly say save yourself the headache, (laughs) and don't worry about it. Because it, it, again, there are things that I liked about it. I liked where they were going with the atmosphere that they built, but it feels like an incomplete game, which is sad to say. But from what I have played of this game, and I I can't give it a full review, but from what I played on a scale of 1 to 10, I would give it probably a 4. Ooh. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not a good game.
0: I think that's fair. But if you're a Castlevania completist, I, I, you know, by all means, go play. But I don't think you're going to like it.
1: Yeah, and we've mentioned this before, you know, not every game we review on the show is going to be this amazing experience that we enjoyed going back and revisiting or a new one that we missed out on that. I say, we say, oh man, I can't believe that we didn't play this game when we were younger, but some of them aren't good, and mm-hmm. this is one of them. Yeah.
0: Well, but Mixmaster
1: says if you haven't played it back in the day, I'd say, skip yeah.
0: It. Same thing. I think with, that's with a lot of those N64 games. If you have really good memories of some of those games, don't go back and play them because they're just, they're not going to hold up.
1: <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, uh, so that's. Those are my thoughts on Castlevania 64. But
0: I don't know what I'm going to review next week. I got a code from an indie developer uh, for a game called Wallachia. So I may try that for next week. It looks sort of like a a Castlevania type of uh, side-scroller for the Switch. So I think I may do that for next week. Nice. Um, but I'm glad we're getting through the, the Castlevania series. I think we've pretty much gone through most of the early you know, 80s and 90s era Castlevania games uh, other than Symphony of the Night. we still got to play that one. And uh, did I do Castlevania 2? I think I did 1, 2, and 3. I think I completed that trilogy. I have to go back and look at the archives and make sure.
1: I will actually do that right now.
0: Let's think, see. I'm pretty sure uh, Symphony of the Night is the last one we got to do for the 90s era Castlevania games.
1: Let's see. Castlevania. Uh let's see. Castlevania, Super Castlevania 4, Castlevania 3: Dracula's Curse, Bloodlines, Castlevania 2: Simon's Quest, mm-hmm. And Rondo of Blood.
0: All right, so I think all we, we've reviewed. All we have left is uh, Symphony of the Night, so one of us will have to tackle that. We'll say, we'll maybe save that for next October. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think everybody might be Castlevania'd out at this point. I know I am after this month. <laughs> uh, trying playing Rondo of Blood and trying to to learn everything from Castlevania One to speedrun it. Like I'm just, I'm a bit Castlevania'd out right now. Understandable. But uh, what would you like to uh, got any last news bits before we leave here for this lovely Sunday, uh, which is now afternoon?
1: Well, one cool thing, I know I mentioned this to you a few days ago, but um, I'm going to be for the Derek Diamond experience this week. I'm going to be re-releasing the interview I did with you and Wally, where you guys talk about the making of Monsters Anonymous. Awesome. Um, I'm going to go through and actually remaster the audio. And that will be out this upcoming Thursday for everyone's listening pleasure. And you should go out and uh, watch Monsters Anonymous on Amazon Prime because it's a very good and very funny movie. Yes. Perfect Halloween movie to watch. Yes. Um,
0: so, yeah, I can't wait to go back and listen to that. It's been a while since I went back and listened to that.
1: We did that actually before we started Nerd Cave Retro. Yeah, I know. I was, whoa. Because <laughs> I, I remember you guys filmed it, in, I think, in April of 2016. Wow. And we did the interview, I th- think, right after that because it was, I'm trying to remember, I think that was right after I did my 100th show because okay. it would have been like 102 or 103. So it was right around that time. Crazy. Yeah. Lots changed since then. I know. Like a lot happens in four years. Mm-hmm.
0: But uh What about you? What do you have going on? Not really a whole lot this week. Uh I'll be doing some open mics uh around the coast. Um doing some social distancing. Um actually next weekend I'm gonna be out of town doing some filming for the forty eight hour film festival. It's a closed set. Uh we're gonna be taking a lot of precautions and um uh, you know, Thursday night we'll be doing open micers here on t- uh, my Twitch channel at 7 p.m. And that's pretty much all I got going on live this week. I won't be doing too much streaming because I'm going to be very, very busy this week. And um, no no live streams today or next Sunday because uh, I actually have a, uh, a couple of engagements this afternoon. I, ha- I got to get going here pretty soon because I have a Zoom call this afternoon, with uh, the the cast and crew of the the movie I'm going to be working on next week, but uh, but yeah, just be here seven o'clock um, Thursday night right here for open micers, and that's just about it.
1: Oh, real quick, uh, next Monday we'll be doing our roundtable on Evil Dead. Oh yes, yeah. For my show that that'll be seven uh, thirty p.m. Uh, this not tomorrow, but a uh, week from Monday, which will be the 26th yes so um i'm gonna i'm gonna be setting up stream labs where i can actually stream to facebook twitch and youtube fantastic so you'll have multiple ways to watch it but it'll be myself you and mr steve wise we'll be talking about evil dead which i'm very excited to do so be it. sure to check that out next week
0: awesome well let's go ahead and call it a day shall we yes If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You still have two weeks or a week or so, about a week and a day, to get those, uh, those MP3s into us for the episode 200, so get that to our email. Um, We're at NerdCaveRetro.com. We're also at Instagram and Twitter at NerdCaveRetro. And individually at JFunktastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. We're at Facebook at Facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro. We are also on Patreon at Patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro. Where if you give us a couple bucks a month to keep the lights on, we will do those commentary tracks every single month for you guys. If you can't do that, can't leave us a, a couple bucks. That's okay, it's hard times. Leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are sold. So Derek, please, tell them what it's all about.
1: May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Yes. Play. Monkey!
0: (laughs) Damn soundboard.